Welcome to week 23 of the This Week in Film podcast, the show where we get together, discuss the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Ray Radaminki and Charlie Chester. Hello. What's going on? We got our sunglasses on. That's right. It's daytime. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. <laughs> Who is going first? Because I already forgot. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't discussed, actually. Um, I'll I, go first. Okay. No. You want to go first? <laughs> no, I don't. No. You go first. Okay, go first. yes. Let me get warmed up. All right, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get the ball rolling. Sure. Um, to a T. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the movie I picked... Um, there, there's a reason behind it this week. Well, there's two reasons, actually. Uh, my first job I ever had in uh, film industry was um, working for Troma Films. I don't know if you guys have heard of Troma Films. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, their biggest hit, I guess, to date was a Toxic Avenger movie. Did they do Rotten Tomatoes or um, Attack Killer, the Killer Tomatoes? Tomatoes? I don't know. That wasn't them. Hmm. It feels like them, but no, it, that that wasn't them. But um, so like, I was uh, fresh out of my masters, and uh, I got a job with them, and I could have made more money uh, working at McDonald's. Like no joke. Like I think they paid like six dollars an hour, but you were in the film industry, so right, like yeah. you know. So uh, it was in this like really shitty building in Harlem. <laughs> that they owned and that was the biggest asset that they owned was this building right so you go in i i was the head of marketing for this were, place yeah you were the head of yeah, marketing, I was the head of marketing. Films. Yeah. my job was to they would buy like uh companies would be going under and they would end up buying their entire collection of movies and then rebrand them as trauma movies right so oh, really? so my job was to watch these movies um and then write the new synopsis, the trauma style synopsis on the back for the DVDs. And really? pretty, pretty cool job. Yeah, I was all stoked about it. Right? Are there a bunch of DVDs out there where you're writing? There's a couple the of them probably still out there. So uh, Jesus I, Christ, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> uh, I remembered that uh, what they would Ruby. do. They would get like someone, another person in the same position as me, like in you know, another department, to Photoshop the new trauma covers for these movies. So, for instance, like uh, the one in particular that I like ended up leaving there over was this this uh, movie about uh, fighter jets, and it was like uh, an Iron Eagle ripoff sort of movie, right? <laughs> but there was no, there was. How do you make a lower budget Iron <laughs> Eagle movie? Oh, it was, yeah. It, it was basically stock footage of, of just like a, a fighter jets. So uh, there's no female characters in the movie at all, but the cover that they created was uh, women in bikinis, and in the background there's fighter jets. And it was called like. Tomcat Fury or something like that, right? So uh, <laughs> I wrote the, the synopsis based on what the movie was about, and I got called down to the head guy's office, Lloyd Kaufman. No way. Yeah, and uh, he was uh, infamous for firing people all the time. Like, they would have a, like a turnover rate of like two days for their employees. What? Yeah, like they would just constantly let people go. Uh, so... I was there maybe five days now. I go downstairs expecting to get fired. And uh, he's got a uh, this old school, like, it looks like a detective's desk 
with like just papers and DVDs all over it, and like it's just like it, it's just chaos. His right. desk. So I sit down, and he he immediately starts like yelling at me at the top of his lungs, like screaming, and he throws the DVD at me, uh, and he's like, w- w- like let me ask you, what is this movie about? And I'm like, well, you know, I read my description. And he's like, not once do you mention melon heavy women on the back of that cover. <laughs> and I'm like, Mr. Kaufman, there's no women in the movie. He's like, how the hell am I going to sell this thing if you don't talk about melon heavy, melon heavy women? And I'm like, all right, man. Well, you know, I'm not writing that. <laughs> so, so, like, yeah, that was my last day at, uh. at Troma. Um, so anyway, so what <laughs> am I... One of my best friends who always <laughs> listens. Ridiculous story. <laughs> One of my best friends who always uh, listens to our podcast, uh, Chibi Foz. Chibi Foz. John Frank uh, begged me to review one of the trauma films now that I've had some distance from from that place. Uh-huh. And his favorite of all of them was uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. <laughs> so, so this one's for you, Chibi. Uh, yeah, so I, I watched this movie. I was... Uh, you know, kind of excited to watch a trauma movie again because it's been so long, you know, and like that was a part of my childhood. Like Toxic Avenger was like a, you know, fun for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the basic premise of this movie is that there is a almost like this power that's passed on from warrior to warrior of the Kabuki Man. And the Kabuki Man is essentially like, um, like a superhero in the Japanese culture based on in this movie. And, uh, you, uh, when you turn on the kabuki power, you turn into like you get white makeup, your hair goes up into this like samurai bun sort of thing, and then like you're wearing the garb and everything, and then you just kick ass. Like that's that's it. Makes sense. So, uh, in this movie, the kabuki man is killed in the very beginning of the movie, the guy who has this power, mm-hmm. and it needs to get passed on to someone. So, it just passes on for no good reason mind you to uh this like bumbling detective uh this white american bumbling detective and this is basically becomes one of the most racist movies i've ever seen in my (laughs) life at this point because it's obvious that they did no research on the japanese culture whatsoever and just took every cliche of what americans think in 1990, what Americans think Japanese culture is. So it's all about sushi jokes and chopstick jokes. And, like, it's it's absolutely absurd. Who doesn't um, love chopstick jokes? I love a good chopstick <laughs> joke. You know, like walrus tea. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff. I'm and, sure there's something else. And I remember, you remember... Um, uh, America's Funniest Videos. Yeah. You remember, like, the little videos that they would do, like, they produced themselves of, like, the the uh, jackalope? Or, like, you know, like, where you're following a projectile through the air. And it, oh, like it, a Sam Raimi sort of Yeah, like sort thing. of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. like, they did it, like, in a cheesy way. Yeah. They did this all over the place. You followed chopsticks flying through the air. You followed... Uh, um, Chinese umbrellas, which it, it wasn't even Japanese. They were like they were crossing their oh, like their culture. Yeah, they were crossing cultures big time. So um, up until up until you started talking about the white person in Japanese garb, it sounded like the plot to Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they might have. Yeah, uh, powers are passed on. Yeah, like guy into... dies, someone needs to become the Green right. Lantern or yeah. Kabuki Man. 
Yeah, essentially that. Yeah, it's, a, it's that basic archetype, you know, like story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, the story's going on, and if you know anything about trauma films, there is gore. Yeah. You know, like, and it is like horrific gore. At one point, someone gets rolled up, a prostitute gets rolled up into a big seaweed wrap, and Kabuki Man chops her up into sushi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's, you know, just it doesn't ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. Nope, not at all. And uh it's all slapstick comedy, but when slapstick comedy has gone wrong, like Is it's she just being not punished funny because she's a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At one point it's it's just Kabuki man's job <laughs> just to punish all the evil doers of the city. So he goes around just, you know, just murdering people, you know, left and right. Wow. Um and of course there's an evil the evil bad, the bad guy is uh, just a normal white dude with um, a woman's wig on, <laughs> and they make it sound like he's like this uh, super villain, and they take him out with a gunshot to the head at one point, and that's it. Like this big anticlimactic. It was so anticlimactic, like how he ended up defeating him. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm trying to remember anything. Well, yeah, there's a lot of boobs. There's a lot of nudity no, in right. it. Yeah, now we're, yeah. now we're interested. There's a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of melon-heavy women. Yeah, there's a lot. There, <laughs> you, there was you had my curiosity, and now you have my attention. Trauma <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, films are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like every once in a while, you'll get one that is sit-throughable. For, for the most part, they're, a lot of they just feel like student films, like, like experimental student films, and oh, they yeah. just... They probably bought them for ten bucks, and they're just throwing them at a wall, hoping that something. Yeah, like what's like what's like an estimated budget of like one of these movies? Uh, they were notorious at the time when I was there for not getting any permits at all. So they would just film as quickly as possible, right. and then move on, and then move on, and so then move on. Slashes the budget. So yeah, that yeah. that alone, I think they might have owned like one or two film cameras. So like, yeah, and Matt, you're paying everyone essentially six dollars an hour. Yeah. Uh, in your office, and you're probably not and paying no any of the crew. Six months. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I would I would say like you know maybe like for their big blockbuster movies, maybe a couple hundred grand is what they paid. Yeah. You know, and the actors are all like fans. They cast the fans. Oh yeah, that's right. Which yeah, is I've which is that. cool. Like I yeah. dig that. I dig that. If like, you know, um, it's like they're making these movies. More for like the horror fans and like you know the, they're they're self generating themselves. Yeah, like way. it's a it's a genre like trauma is its own genre. And oh yeah, feeds on itself. Absolutely, there is some redeeming things about this, but I I just can't enjoy the films. I'm not one of those fans in that way. But uh, uh, and neither am I. Like there's a couple of them that I like here and there, but not because they're I can't like I think one of them is. I think Cannibal the musical, but that's just Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They, like, they I bought like those movie. guys. It was already yeah. made. And like they, that was Trump bought it. Yeah, student film. And then another. I think they were involved in Orgasmo, which is another Trey Parker. I like anything Trey Parker does. Right. Um, because right. he's because Lloyd Kaufman is in that. Yeah. And stuff. So I'm sure they had a a hand. But Lloyd Kaufman, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he just seems like a. Uh, well, you would know, Charlie. Mm. He seems like he would be a nice guy, but he just seems like a schlocky Mel Brooks. Yeah, it, it was... Like, if you took everything yeah. that you like about Mel Brooks and, and cast it to the lowest common... That that whole, like, uh, 
it's it's like sleaze slapstick um, horror, and he brings the sleaze in yeah. a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's, yeah, it's, that's a good word, sleaze. He's sleaze. like a sleazy yeah. Mel Brooks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just um. It's definitely it was definitely tough and, uh, to get through. I've seen him in a lot of things. Uh, like he does, like a lot of he does a ton of interviews and a lot of right. appearances, and he's always on. Like mm-hmm. his, his whatever his persona is, is he's always on. And and that like when when you see him doing anything, you can tell that. Like you can tell the kind of movies that he makes. Right. You know, he's always he's always like three seconds like after a bump of coke. Is what he sounds like, <laughs> like whenever he's doing an interview. Allegedly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, apparently, um, before I worked there, James Gunn, oh, director, yeah. worked oh, there. Okay. Yeah, he did the... Um, Tromeo and Juliet. Yeah. He, yeah. He, um, he worked there, I guess, I think, from what I understand, James Gunn's family... Um, was an industry family and like he just loved that style so he he worked for them for a while mm-hmm. i guess lloyd took to him let him write tromeo and juliet and then james gunn moved on moved out to hollywood got back with like you know i guess well, he was circle. doing the uh the porn minus the porn yeah like those little shorts mm-hmm. where like porn uh, stars yeah. would show up and do like traditional mm-hmm. porn intros and then it would like how you want to pay for this car yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess with a credit card, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're like two minutes long, but they're pretty great. Um, I mean, if you look at most of James Gunn's uh, movies or whatnot, there's a little bit of trauma in. Oh yeah, it's yeah, definitely can... mainstream. But like, you look at Dawn of the Dead, that zombie baby thing, that's totally a trauma moment. Was that know? James Gunn? Yeah, James Gunn. I thought wrote that, that was Zach. It is that's Zach Snyder. Snyder. Yeah, James Gunn wrote it. Oh, oh yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, James Gunn, that was his big That would break. explain why most of it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, James Gunn wrote that, and then he went on to do the Scooby-Doo movies. I like some of his stuff. 300 is great. Yeah. Um, I like Watchmen, too. I love the Watchmen. All right. Well, he's, he's batting about 350, which is pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that uh, my uh, review for Sergeant Kabukiman NYPD is mainly... I was angry at my friend for making me watch this <laughs> as I went through it. It was, it was, and guess what? How long the movie is? Ninety. It's two hours. What? Why, why was that movie two hours long? I don't. I thought know. you were going to come back with seventy-three. Nope. It two was a hours. solid two hours. Ugh. I think you need to do yourself a favor and watch a good movie because yeah. you've been really, you've been really killing I'm yourself. Get, yeah, I'm bit. getting beat up. Yeah, we I'm beating myself. Up. I haven't done a video edition <laughs> yeah. in a long time. No, it's just it, the balls Not that are we rolling. Stop doing them. I just don't have any time. Lately. Oh man, yeah, I deserve a good movie. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. All right, <laughs> Treat so watch another Kabuki Man next oh, week. Good lord, see where they went with the series. Ray, what have you got this week? This week I watched uh, Bronson, uh, the 2008. Uh, biopic by uh, Nicholas Winding Revin. Refn. Is that how you pronounce it? I, I honestly looked online and I found three different ways of pronouncing it. So that's <laughs> I, what I'm going I think with. he's going by NWR now. Yeah, well that's way easier to do. Yeah. Um, he uh, d- He's the guy who directed Drive, um, uh, Valhalla Rising. He's got a really uh, particular style and I don't really think it lends itself to a biopic very well. Mm. Um, if you don't know, the movie stars Tom Hardy. He plays a real guy named Michael Gordon Peterson who has been known as the most violent prisoner in Britain. 
Um, he was kind of a normal dude, had a wife, kids, uh, but as he says in the biopic, Tom Hardy narrates it too as the guy. Okay. Um, he always had a particular, you know, love for fighting. You know, he's always gotten in fights his entire life. So he ends up getting uh, in prison for armed robbery. He, armed, he uh, robs a post office. And he goes to jail for... Why would you rob a post office? I don't, I don't know. I f- totally forget even why. he. Did. That's like not even part of the... That's like no, neither here nor there type of thing. Mailmen um, are our most treasured reason. Right. <laughs> and I think he, he shows like he gets... He ends up robbing it and he comes back with like, you know, 10 bucks. And he gets, that's, what he gets, that's what he gets arrested for. <laughs> so he goes to jail and realizes that he loves prison. He just loves everything about it. Like he loves fighting with the with the prison guards. He loves like messing with the inmates. He he describes it as almost a, as like a hotel experience. Because what happens is he goes to these prisons and he just causes such a ruckus that he gets kicked out and moved to a different prison. And he keeps saying like it's like a hotel stay. I go to a prison for a year, then I go to another prison for a year, then I go to a different prison for a year. <laughs> and everything, you know, every every prison's got its own little quirks, its own little differences. Um so Tom Hardy's pretty much the whole show here. I mean, he plays the main character. He does all the narration. There's other characters in the movie, but he doesn't really have much interactions with them. It's so mostly just him. In the right. It's mostly just him fighting with the with the inmates. Uh, the story's told in a way of he is at a like a play almost, or he's, or he's on stage in front of a huge group of people as he's talking about, like, his life and, like, mm-hmm. narrating it. So it keeps flashing back to him on the stage, explaining everything that happened to him, and then it goes back to, like, the story and what his life was like. Um, and that's, like, an imaginary thing. Right, right. right. Like, that's not, like, a real thing. That's just, like, him in oh, his it's, okay. it's, like, a venue for his soliloquy. Right, you know, right, right. You know? um, is that the name of your new album? Yeah, my pretentious album. So, so this, is a, <laughs> this is a true story. This Acid guy... Genius. Uh, has been in prison. He's still alive. He has, he has been in prison right now for 34 years. Well, 2008, 34 years. Mm-hmm. And he was in solitary confinement for 30 of them. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Just because every time he goes to prison, he just like fights everybody. Right. And the one thing that I didn't get about the movie either was every time he gets in a fight with these like prison guards, it lasts for like 10 seconds. And then there's so many of them, he just gets like, you know, pinned down or like they like pick him up and like, I mean, he's a big guy, but they like pick him up and pull him somewhere and like throw him in a cage somewhere like the fights never last long like it's like mm-hmm. he gets so up for these fights and then it's like 10 seconds and it's over like he's like rubbing like baby oil, baby oil all over himself so he's like slippery <laughs> and they can't like grab him this guy's just like an absolute nut and apparently from what i read like this is how he is in real life he's just like a crazy person okay um tom hardy actually met with the guy in prison a couple times before he did the movie and the first time Tom Hardy meets him, uh, he, I guess Tom Hardy wasn't as big as the guy was. He wasn't like as buff. And he was, uh, um, Michael Gordon Peterson is like, you know, you're not really as big as I am. Like, I don't like how you act. Like, I don't think you're good enough for the role. And Tom Hardy, like, promised him, he's like, listen, I'll be back here in six months and I'm going to be jacked. Right. He's like, you just got to trust me. So Tom Hardy goes back six months later and is just huge. And like this, Bane size, right? Tom exactly. Hardy. And this guy's so impressed with like his transformation mm-hmm. that he shaves off his mustache and gives it to him as like <laughs> a prop, so, <laughs> so they can, so they can 
form his mustache as like a mustache prop so Tom Hardy can wear it for the filming of the movie. That's insane. <laughs> That's an insane person. Exactly. So the movie's called Bronson because he, I want you to wear my hair. He does. He does get out of prison for like a brief period. I think it was like a year, year and a half, and he starts uh, street fighting. Like bare knuckle boxing. Well, how old is he at that point? I think he's like in his like late thirties, early forties. Oh. Um, he's like sixty three now. Okay. And uh, he starts bare knuckle boxing, and the promoter is like, "Listen, like you can't go by your regular name. We need like a cool name for you. So you need to pick like a Hollywood actor, like somebody that everybody's gonna recognize." Uh, and he's yeah. like, "All right, I'm gonna go by Charles Bronson." Even though he's never seen a single movie from Charles Bronson, he's never seen Death. He just Lord. recognizes that name as like sounds like, like popular, cool, or cool name, cool name. Yeah. So for the rest of his life, he's known as Charles Bronson. Um, okay. Have you got? You, you didn't see this, right, Nick? You I never have seen, not it? seen it, Charlie. You've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw it a while ago. Um, I thought the music in the film was great, which is a, a thing that Nicholas Wenning, Wenning Revan does very well. Um, it's all like electronic pop music, and I thought it was different. But I like I like liked how they used it in the film. It was very like, whenever they used it, it like felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I would say Tom Hardy great performance. Music was great. The movie just it just wasn't. It was just all over the place. Uh, in terms of a biopic, eh, I just didn't think it really really did well. But Tom Hardy kind of carries it. Literally, literally carries it. Stole yeah. the show. Yeah, the director got got in his own way in a lot of ways. I thought I, re- I remember watching it and like, yeah, I there was points where I was like, all right, l- just let Tom Hardy do his thing. Right, you know what I mean? Like, stop trying to be so stylistic at right. certain points. It's like it's not working. Um, but yeah, he does have a really good ear and eye for tone, you know, with music and whatnot. Oh yeah, the movie's really cool looking, and like, there's one scene where like he's acting out like on on the stage, he's acting out like a s- scene from like his life. And he's talking, acting like he's talking to a woman. And one side of his face is painted like a woman. And the other side of his face is just plain. Mm -hmm. And he keeps, like, turning around and, like, speaking in the woman voice and speaking in the male voice. Mm -hmm. Acting like he's, like, having a conversation with somebody. I thought that was pretty cool. But that, like, doesn't move the story along at all. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But then, like, why did he do that? There was no point of that. So the movie's more of a performance piece than a storytelling right exactly and i think that would work if it wasn't a they weren't trying to tell a story of like some guy's life right um but apparently charles bronson or michael gordon peterson whatever you want to call him loved it like he loved how he was portrayed he loved how tom hardy looked i mean if you look at pictures of him tom hardy looks exactly like him with the bald head and the mustache okay um but yeah apparently this guy like loved it and even his mother i think saw and loved it too so like they liked it, I guess, but I just, I thought the story was kind of weak. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really humanize him. Like, I didn't no. understand the motivations, really. It's just, okay, I'm going to be crazy and just do crazy things, as opposed to, like, if you're going to make a movie about someone's life, I mean, even if that's accurate, if, like, right. you know, that's what they witnessed. Yeah, maybe that's how the guy really was. Like, you, he was you, just, you need, one day, you need to. Like, I'm going to fight people. Right. Now. But you need you need to like cinema cinema up in a way you know what I mean and and write something where the audience is wants to follow the character for whatever reason it could be a villain but be a well written villain with motivations and like yeah they yeah. didn't have that you know? right and there was like no other characters either like everybody else was kind of just like secondary like it was him and whenever they introduced somebody like they didn't have a name it was just like a prison guard or the warden of the prison or like I think he meets up with his uncle I think it's Uncle Jack. 
at one point, and that guy has like a five minute scene, and then you know what I mean. Like there's there's nobody else. It's just Tom Hardy the whole time. So I mean, he was great, but it was just like it needed more, right? So good performance, bad movie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, I'll close things out this week. Um. General spoiler alert, because mm-hmm. the movie I'm going to talk about is Ten Cloverfield Lane, which uh oh geez. I don't remember who directed it. Uh, wait, is it uh, Trachtenberg? Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg yeah. directed it. Um, and all three of us have now seen it. Yes, mm-hmm. I was the last, and uh, so we're we're gonna dive into the movie a little bit. So if you haven't seen Ten Cloverfield Lane, maybe fast forward to till we get to the answers to Ray's last Ray's random request and his question for this week. Um. But anyway, yeah, I watched 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. Um, stars um, Mary John, Elizabeth. yeah, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Goodman, and the third guy is John Gallagher right. Jr. Who, before you go on, I spent 40 minutes of that movie uh-huh. trying to figure, like, I knew I knew who that guy was. Who is he? Because I don't know. He's, he's from, like, the newsroom. Do you ever see the show, The Newsroom? I haven't HBO? seen it yet, mm-hmm. no. Um, so he's from that, and the whole mo- the whole beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, I know this guy, I know where he's, I couldn't figure it out, and like midway through the movie, I'm like, oh, he's from the newsroom, because he's got the beard and stuff, you can't really... Oh, okay. I thought he was great. Yeah, he was awesome. I thought all three of them were great. Um, the movie's plot is, uh, starts off Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character... Um, is clearly leaving her husband or fiance, and I thought that she lived in New York because I don't recognize major cities. Um, anyway, she leaves her fiance and is driving away. Mm-hmm. While she's driving, she's in a real bad car accident, and she wakes up in this bunker uh, because John Goodman has found her and brings her back. But she wakes up and she's leg cuffed to the wall so mm-hmm. that she can't get away. And really, from from this point on, the movie keeps going twists and turns, twists and turns. The movie does a fantastic job of keeping you off balance. Um, So now is when I'm going to go heavy spoilers. So if you haven't turned it off yet or fast forwarded, I suggest you fast forward. Stay tuned to the show. (laughs) And um, but um, so I honestly had no idea where the movie was going at at all times. Yeah, neither did I. Um, So the the movie. The first sequence of when she's in the bunker, she meets John Goodman, who is a straight up weirdo, mm-hmm. um, who who after the first reveal of of the upstairs, it's difficult to talk about this without like talking in chronological order, right, right. Um, but like you, you, after the first reveal, where you find out, oh, something terrible has happened, mm-hmm. and and she's not just being held captive. Right. She doesn't trust. He's telling her that like she can't go outside. Something yeah. bad has happened, and she and, doesn't trust him. And as a viewer, you're on her side. You're like, well, let me out. You're holding me against my will. Let right. me out. And he is a straight up weirdo. And after the first reveal, where you find out, oh, something terrible's happened, you're you're like, oh, he just has communication problems. He's just <laughs> right. a really bad communicator yeah, yeah. and right. and a, and a lunatic. Like he's the guy's crazy, but he's his heart is is good. Then the movie moves on. And you find out that the guy may have murdered his daughter and a few other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And <laughs> and and then you're like, and then she has to escape. And when she does, then she's out on the surface. And you're like, all right, she's out. 
There's no poison gas. People right. aren't She's dying. Fine. Maybe like so what is what the hell is going on? And then aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when she got yeah. out and as soon as she got out, I was like, all right, there's two ways this is going to go. This is either going to be ali- aliens or yeah. it's going to be like, this was all a hoax, like right. blah, blah, blah. And they went the alien route. Right. Which, <laughs> which was a neat sequence. Yeah, it but... was, was kind of cool. It, it was almost like two different movies because like yeah. the, the majority of the movie is just like underground, like suspense. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into this like sci-fi action movie for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, Which I wonder, was kind of weird. I, from what I understand, like he wrote the movie, and then when they brought it to Abrams' people and were doing it, they did some sort of a rewrite. I wonder if that was what they rewrote, because uh, at that point, they make it almost like in the same universe as Cloverfield, right? I mean, that's what I'm assuming. I don't know. I, I feel like the Cloverfield thing is is now the label for like an anthology of here's a weird story. Right. I, like I thought Twilight it had Zone sort of thing. I, I thought it had nothing to do. Yeah, with Cloverfield. I didn't think it had anything. No, to it, either, I mean it might. It might. I don't, it yeah, might, I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure. I honestly but, I don't know. But the beginning of the movie where, where where John Goodman like opens the door and he's like, "Here's some food." Right. I would have eaten this, but uh, you know, you can have some because he's large. It's <laughs> a hilarious joke, and um. But but he's so odd, like the way that he deals with her. Like, why would you chain someone up? Right. And then and then it's like, because I don't trust you, and then and yeah. all that stuff. But he trusts the other guy that he's right. known. He wants somebody but, to freak out, chain them up. Right. And and it's just it's kind of like we're sitting here trying to talk about. It. It's difficult to talk about. It really is. A lot happens, and I think the movie's like an hour and a half. But a lot happens in ninety minutes, and I, I thought they did a great balance of like yeah, there was probably like. 10 points in the script of the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Is John Goodman crazy? Is John Goodman right. sane? Like back and forth. Right. He keeps, and they did a really good job moment to moment almost like you're, you're unsure. And they really set up the end. They really set him up to be just a paranoid freak because, because he is like, he created yeah. this luxurious bunker underneath his farm. And then he just, when he's trying to talk to them about what happened above or the, like the explosions started happening, you're thinking to yourself, well, it's, you're on a farm or something. Somehow I knew they were on a farm yeah, or underneath a farm. And I was thinking, well, maybe it was like one of those fertilizer plant explosions. And the guy freaked out and thought it was the end of the world. Right. Cause he's mm-hmm. some goofball doomsday prepper. And, and then the other guy who isn't very smart either, but is a, is a nice guy just goes along with him because he's, Right, he's like he's known him his whole life, right? Because yeah. they grew up in the same neighborhood Something together. Like, that. like yeah. he worked, he worked there, right? You know? So he trusts him. Yeah, and so and so like John Goodman starts tossing out. He's like, maybe it was the Russians, maybe it was an accident, or aliens. Those guys are doing crazy things, and you're right. like, and you're like, oh, this guy is crazy, you know? Exactly. Right. And and it was like the little subtle things like that, like the alien remark where you go, it's not aliens, right? That's you know? so obvious. It's so yeah. obvious. And then at the end. I mean, at the end, he was right. I mean, the whole time, I mean, he was a psycho and he went about it the wrong way, but they should have stayed down there. I think after she goes up and tries to escape the first time and then that woman is there smashing her head against the wall trying to get in. At that point, you're like, hold on a second. Yeah, you are in the seat with Mary Elizabeth Winstead the entire movie. Like You are Mm -hmm. with her. Everything she goes through, you're going through as a viewer. So when she goes, right before she escapes, she smashes the bottle on John Goodman's head. Mm-hmm. And then the the next scene after you see the woman smashing her head on the window, 
you're back in the dining room and he's explaining like what has happened. Like you finally take some time to talk to her. Right. And she goes, I have severely misjudged you. And as a viewer, you're like, we have all, I have misjudged him too. He's <laughs> right. just, like I said, he's a, he's just a poor communicator. Right. right. And she like stitches him up and, and, and they all start to get along. And then, and then he starts acting weird again. And the scene where, the first time when she steals the keys uh-huh. and they're all sitting at the dinner table was awesome. Like, yeah. Cause you know, you knew what she was trying to do. Yeah. And like, you know that like he's kind of looking at her and the other guy's kind of looking at her, but like the way they did that was awesome. It was yeah. like 10 minutes. You were like on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I said to my wife while we were sitting there, I, I had like, I was like all tense. Like my right. shoulders were like up against. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It was, it was really well done. Um, the ending was, was hokey, but it was still cool. It yeah. Was, yeah. And then, um, you know, like she's driving away and then they, they set up the thing before where she's like, we need people to fight or we need people to run away. Right. And she, you know, she makes a decision, but, uh, it's a pretty good movie. If you haven't seen it, I have now ruined it for you. <laughs> if you have seen it, you have all, you agree that everything I've said happens. Well, you might've ruined it, but I feel like you could still watch it. Yeah, you could still watch it. I don't know if I could watch it again. You might not like it as much. I don't Probably think. not. I think the 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 twists and turns of the movie are are the they're not really knowing. really satisfying twists, and not just one big twist in the movie, but I mean like twist after twist. Yeah, and and it's t- the stuff that you you put yourself through, not that the movie changes direction. Like right. you change direction constantly. It's I I felt very much like it was Hitchcockian in a lot of ways. Yeah. The style of it, like the storytelling itself, it starts off almost like Psycho, and then it becomes Rear Window for a little bit, and then I don't know. It just felt like that that suspense, you know, that build, um, and then almost like Rope too, the movie uh, Hitchcock's Rope, where like it's a murder mystery, and they're they're trying to figure it out, and like mm-hmm. there's danger in the room, and you know, like it, like the audience knows it, but it's trying to figure out where it's coming from. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I thought. I thought it was great. I yeah. really liked it. I I really enjoyed it. I love the the part where she gets out and I forget what sets it up, but like the alien ship shows up and she just is like, come on. <laughs> you know, just completely and like right. this this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but then she's got to deal with it, you know? Right. And it was, it was it was really well done. All right. So that was week twenty three of this week in film. If you have fast forward to this point. We're now going to answer the many answers that we got from Ray's random request from a couple weeks ago. We were we were away last week, but you got to listen to our X Men review. But if you don't remember, Ray's question was, "What is your favorite Christmas movie?" And uh, on Facebook, we got a bunch of responses. Christy says, "Christmas Vacation" is her number one movie, followed by Elf. She also loves our show. Oh, and, thanks, Christy. And Christy, we love you. Oh. Um, Sam says Jingle All the Way. This is Sam A. We know her. She says Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. No one would ever say Jingle All the Way <laughs> is their favorite. I feel like Keith would Christmas say that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, Keith might say that's that. a good point. Uh, Sandy Fagina, or, or as I like, to, <laughs> I like to call him Scott, but he says Die Hard. And he currently lives in Germany. And if I guess if you post from Germany and you write a word that looks German, like die hard, like die in German, is yeah. the, it lets you translate it and it turns into the hardware. 
Oh. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, but he said, so I said that to him, and he told me in German, the movie is, in Germany, the movie Die Hard is called Die Slowly. Oh. Hmm. Which is a fun fact. Uh, Jill says, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And then I said, That isn't a movie. So you have now <laughs> said Lethal Weapon, <laughs> which is a Christmas movie. Ray. Takes place during Christmas. It's no, Christmas I said movie. Die Hard wasn't a Christmas movie. I didn't even know it was Lethal Weapon a Christmas movie. Too. Yeah, they both are not Christmas movies. <laughs> Die Hard is just because a movie takes place during Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas. Die movie. Hard is totally a Christmas movie. That, that that would make okay. That means you could call Crimson Tide a Thanksgiving movie because it takes place on Thanksgiving. There's not a lot of Thanksgiving. movies. Yeah, we need more of them. Yeah. Well, it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. Well, it's, it's good now that I have something to watch on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Thanksgiving <laughs> plane, classic. trains, and automobiles. <laughs> right. But Die Hard, like even the music throughout the movie is Christmas music yeah. throughout. It's all sleigh bells and yeah, whatever. Giant Christmas Agreed tree explodes. I mean, Home Alone's a Christmas movie, Ray. Yeah, Home Alone definitely is. Just because it doesn't have a family element doesn't make it not a Christmas movie. No, Home Alone. There's like Christmas trees and like it there's takes Christmas place. trees in Die Hard. Yeah, but they're not like. <laughs> Forget it. Christmas happens in Los Angeles, Ray. Just because there's no Does snow. <laughs> Um, Brian says Ernest Saves Christmas. That's awesome. That is a great movie. I Brian like, would say that. He would. I like the part in Ernest Saves Christmas when the reindeer are on the ceiling. <laughs> and that guy makes the weird eyeball thing. Anyway. <laughs> Barbara says A Christmas Story. Classic movie. See it every year. Um, Matt says the animated movie The Christmas Tree. Now, if you haven't mm, seen this. No. I would recommend seeing it and also at the same time, don't watch it because it is 40 or 50 minutes of insanity. <laughs> uh, you could probably find it on YouTube, but oh. The Christmas Tree, it is ridiculous. Okay. You should just try to find a clip of it and then just, what am I watching? <laughs> um, Chris, who we also know, says The Santa Claus, and he also refers to it as Home Improvement, the movie. Because Chris has problems putting actors in different things. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say Judy's pick yet? Oh, no. Judy Judy also says Die Hard. Yeah, she'll shake you if you don't. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't know how to use the internet to post things. Uh, Tom, Tom says that it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, a very sunny Christmas, which I think counts because it was a DVD special. Mm -hmm. I'll give it to him. More so than Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm sure you can get that on DVD. Yeah, but that's only 30 minutes. That's not... Whatever. Tom also Tom also says Lethal Weapon. I think Lethal Weapon 3 takes place at Christmas also. Um, so that was all the responses we had for last no one week's... Said, no one said Reindeer Games. No one did it. say Reindeer Games. I'm saying it. Big Reindeer Games fan. Yeah. I've never seen Reindeer Games. No? No. I, I've heard nothing but... Great awful, things about awful. it. Awful. If that's a Christmas movie, then Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it has reindeer in the title. Yeah. This movie has hard in the title. <laughs> uh, so, Ray, what is this week's Ray's Raindome Request? This week, I'm going to go with, uh, since I watched Bronson, which was a biopic that I didn't think was a very good biopic, mm -hmm. what's your favorite biopic movie? Oh, very good. There's a lot of them out there. There are tons of them, yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. Um, so, um, 
Let's move on to the plug segment of the show. Oh. Charlie, what could you possibly want to plug? Oh, what 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 haven't I talked about every week? Uh, Boy Zero, my graphic novel, is available on Amazon.com. Uh, uh, volume 1 and Volume 2, you can search Boy Zero or Charles Chester. Uh, it'll pop up. Um, it's also available digitally uh, through... Um, Comicsology, Drive Through Comics, um, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all the major uh, um, distributors, and uh, oh, uh, shout outs to Knuckleheads Podcast, mm-hmm. shout outs to um, Superhero Speak Podcast, shout out to Geek Yogurt Podcast, and Plus like Two Comedy, Plus Two Comedy. Uh, podcast all uh friends of the show and yep. pretty entertaining shows themselves and you were featured on on all their shows on all like, of them you yeah probably look back at their catalogs and uh, find the charlie episode um i would like to call out the uh podcast radio network that we are featured on every wednesday night at 10 30 um you can download the crikey app for your phone and dial it to 102.7 it's k-r-y-k-r-y I think it's crikey. It has it, like a like Australian, like crikey, crikey. But it's like K R Y K R Y. Otherwise, it's cree cree or cray cray. Cray cray. Oh, maybe yeah, it's yeah. cray cray. Yeah, I think it's I like cray cray. Um, or you can just go to podcastradio.net and and find it there. I also want to give a shout out to the guys who give us the great lead in to our show on uh, the podcast radio network. Uh, you can find them on Twitter or the name of their show, which is at Let's Talk Flicks. Uh, it's a really fun show, and you should totally check it out. Um, Ray, can you tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, and, as always, thisweekinfilmpodcast.com. All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for this week, fellas. Yeah. So if that is the end of the reel, good week, guys. We will see you next week in film. <laughs> <laughs> Great ending. <laughs> <laughs>